Welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Jim Hemphill, Features Writer for Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. My guest today is Sam Hargrave, the director of the great new Netflix movie, Extraction 2. Sam, who also directed the first Extraction, comes from a background in stunts, so you would be correct in assuming that the action sequences in Extraction 2 are expertly conceived and executed. But the stuff in between the set pieces is pretty great too, and in this interview I think you'll get a sense of how Sam's stunts background makes him not only a great choreographer of action, but a director attentive to the nuances of performance and the needs of the actors. Here's our conversation about everything that went into making Extraction 2 a great sequel that also stands on its own. You know, for me, Extraction 2, it was really one of those perfect kind of sequels in that, you know, it has all the stuff you like from the first one, but it goes off in some new directions. It does the stuff you liked from the first one better. And I'm curious, you know, tell me about the origins of the movie. Was this something that was always part of the game plan that there was going to be a sequel? Or was it something that came up after you did the first movie and people responded to it? What were the beginnings of it? Yes, the uh, Extraction 2 came about after the first movie because we didn't know how do you ever know how an audience is going to respond to your movie and so we we had no clue didn't didn't have any idea that it was going to be so well received and we had you know a first movie planned and it was a standalone in our minds and then once we started testing the first movie with audiences and internally with Netflix and people started to become excited about it then the ideas began percolating you know it was once the movie was released and and very well received then the the idea began to solidify and oddly enough i mean not that odd with the, i guess the way they're using it promotionally now is the the one or the prison escape was the first idea that joe and i bounced back and forth he he came up with joe was like you know i think we should open the movie with a ridiculous one or and escaping from some gnarly prison and i was like oh that's, that sounds like a great opening and that was how it came out in the script. And then over different passes and iterations, you know, the, the format changed and when that showed up throughout the movie changed. But that was the first idea for a sequence in the second movie. Well, I definitely want to get into that sequence a little later. But I'm also curious, during the writing process, how involved are you in that with Joe? I mean, what kinds of conversations are you having while he's writing? Joe has his own process. He's been doing this for many, many years, and he's got it down to a science. So he, he, he's got his process. He did, did share an outline with me. We talked about a lot of different sequences throughout, but he shared an outline with me, like a, kind of a 30-pager, and we went over it and you know, gave some thoughts. And then he kind of goes off and does his thing, and we'll, we'll see like a, you know, a draft. And he writes very quickly. So we'll see a draft early on. And he structurally, it always starts with, kind of the where and the set pieces like that's the spine of his his writing is like they go from here to there to there and this is the action set piece and so what that allows you to do is prep even before the script is fully finished is you can start prepping because you know that the structure of where people are going and the action set pieces they're doing that's going to stay a lot of the the drama in between how you get from one section to another the relationships all of that stuff is very malleable and it it did it does change and did change a lot throughout the process, but it was, you know, he, he has his thing and, and he does, it does it very well. And it, it'll include me with stuff like, you know, um, turn in scenes and say, how do you feel about the way this scene is playing with, you know, in the, in the course of the thing. And I'll give feedback. I mean, he's, he's very collaborative in that way, but he's got, yeah, he's, he's a, a really seasoned veteran and he's got his process and he does it really well. 
Well, it's interesting that you brought up the kind of connective tissue between the action scenes, because that was actually one of the things I liked the most about this movie, is that I felt like the dramatic moments in between the action, which, of course, are what make the action work, uh, I thought were fantastic in this movie. Like, I really thought that it had a much stronger emotional underpinning to it than I expected. I thought Hensworth was just terrific. And I'm curious, in terms of working with actors... What, uh, you you know, you said that those scenes were kind of malleable and changed a lot. I mean, how did, what kinds of conversations did you have with the actors about the non-action scenes and how did you kind of create an environment to get the most out of them? First, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it because I, I do feel like action is only as good as the dramatic scenes before and after and during, because if you don't care about the characters and what they're going through throughout the process, then, you know, the action that we come up with is just bad theater, you know, for me, one of the most important things is going into any action sequence or between is setting an environment for the actors to to feel involved, feel collaborative and feel heard because their job, their you know what they bring is the character arc and the depth to these characters. Like they're building a world from which to draw on when they give these performances and I want to make sure that they feel comfortable, they feel confident and they know as much as I know about the characters. Cause my job as the director is to see the whole picture, right? I got to see it from beginning to end and all the different ways it fits together. Each actor brings their own piece of the puzzle. Like they oftentimes, they don't get the complete script. They'll get pieces, um, you know, like in Marvel movies and whatnot. So they bring what they can, we give the entire script and the extraction movies to the actors, but then they may not know exactly how it fits together. They may think like, oh, well, you know, my line here in this scene with the kid and it doesn't matter uh, with that final fight with Rake and, and the bad guy. But all of it does. It's all informs, you know, each part informs the whole. And so I try to work very closely with the actors. Hemsworth is a dream to work with on so many levels because he comes from... He comes at it as a filmmaker, not just an actor, you know, an action star. He, he is a collaborator in the truest sense of the word. And he and I had many conversations before, during, and even after, like in post, trying to really bring these scenes together and find the, the most meaningful way for Rake to interact with all these different characters that tie this story together. And so he was a, an extremely useful collaborator in all these dramatic scenes. He, he even would sit down... And we do kind of passes internally of scenes for other characters because he's been thinking about them and saying, ah, this is how it relates to Tyler Rake. And this is why it's important that, you know, she says this thing here. And so he, he's very involved in the, the whole process. And I really love working with him in that capacity. Well, and you've got a strong supporting cast in this movie, too. And, you know, obviously when you're casting, you know, Hemsworth or Olga Kurylenko, people like that, you know what they can do. But what was your process like finding, for example, like the Georgian actors that are in the movie? One of the fundamentals of this universe, the extraction universe, is authenticity. At least that's what we're trying to go for. And so like with the first film, we, when we are going outside of you know, English speaking countries, we try to cast authentically. So rather than have, you know, cast an American actor or a British actor and you do like a Georgian accent, we're like, we should go after Georgian actors. And we, we did an extensive search and found there's a small pocket, a very strong small pocket of performers and artists in Georgia. And I think we found some of the best of them, you know, in, in Torniki Gorgichiani, who plays um, Zurab, you know, we, as soon as he read and his... his tape came in we're like that guy 
that guy's special. We want to like we're gonna we're gonna cast him. And the same with with uh, uh, Tina Tin Latina and and Andro. Like who the, each time that the tapes came in, we were like, oh man, these, these this is great. There's a a raw vulnerability and truthful authenticity to these performances that you you can't fake it. And and they're obviously they're speaking the language, and that I think it. it lends it uh, like you said before i said before lends itself to the authenticity of the performance and the feeling that when tyler rick goes to these places he's really there we're not faking it. it's not some sort of you know oh we're on a we're on a film set and these are actors you know doing an accent we're there and you feel that energy because of the, the casting process and it was was really important to this to this franchise i believe so you're looking at these actors on you know tape or whatever, you know, whatever digital, um, you're looking at, you know, things that they're submitting. Um, do, are you ever able before you cast them to actually get in a room with them in person or are you only doing it off the tapes and then you have to just kind of hope for, you know, cause I mean, to, cause to me, it seems like an important part of the director actor relationship is it's not just what they can do. It's what the two of you can do together in a room. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. The audition process was just the beginning. Once we find the strongest candidates, then it's it's like a, in two ways, like a, a chemistry read. I got on with them and it was Zoom because during that time, COVID was really rampant. So it was harder for me to fly to Georgia or them to fly to me. So we did it over Zoom, but it would I would meet with them and go through scenes and I would ask different things of them. It's like, can we try it? this way can we you know can we switch this word with that word and just basically testing their ability to shift and adapt and and mold a performance rather than because oftentimes you'll get an audition tape and you go oh this is great and then you you don't follow up on it and you get on set and it's the exact same as the audition tape every time and now you're like oh gosh like i that's that was good for that moment but now it's changed and so that was really important for me to make sure that each one of these actors had the ability to adapt and adjust. And they all did. They were great. And so that was the step two after the audition process. Chemistry read with me. And then if they were interacting with Hemsworth, we had Hemsworth get on and do a bit of a read and make sure that he was also connecting with them and able to, to riff and do what he does so beautifully, which is improvise and feel the energy of the scene and give what's necessary. You know, usually with the scripted lines, but the energy is always different each take. So he did, that was the third step of the process to make sure that when we were on set, we had all of the necessary tools to, to get the dramatic scenes just right. Well, I want to dig really deep into the sequence you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, which is the prison break, uh, which is incredible, which all, it creates at least the illusion that it's all done in one incredibly elaborate wonder that feels like, I don't know how long, I mean, it felt like it was probably 20, 25 minutes, something like that. It was 21 minutes and seven seconds, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you had done something kind of similar in the first extraction, but I feel like the action in this movie makes the first extraction look like my dinner with Andre. I mean, it's just so, this thing is so <laughs> elaborate. So take me through what goes, it is a huge question, but, but take me through what goes into conceiving and executing a shot like that step by step. I mean, what, where do you even begin to think about something like that? That is a very big question, and I'll, I'll, you know, get into it as best I can here. So the first film, the decision to, to do that one was a bit out of necessity because we, we had a schedule that was pretty tight. We had didn't have a lot of time and money for second units, and I wanted to do a lot of the action. And 
the scripted sequence was so big and so elaborate on the page, I looked at it and said, that's going to take whoever does second units like three or four weeks. And then main is going to need seven days. There's no way. It's like, what if we just kept it all on main, followed our hero and did this, you know, in one, in one shot. And, um, so it was a bit of a creative problem solve. And then once it went really well and people responded very positively, then it was kind of like, oh, well, we got to try to do that again, and but top it. And so this time it was written into the script, which was very different for me because, you know, generally when I get action, it'll be on very different on the, on the page. And as a designer, I would look at it and go, all right, here's how we're going to take this and make it bigger and better. And I'll, I'll make my own version of it. But on the page as a oneer and using terminology like the greatest wonder in cinema history or the, this this sequence to rival old boy which is you know this action sequence from a korean movie that's just masterfully done so all of these things are starting in your mind like oh man how are we going to do this uh so the first part starts with probably shock and you know confusion of oh how do we do it but then once you break it down by its component parts like you do with any other action sequence or at least as i do is like what's the story what's the through line what are the emotional beats you have to hit? And then just start to really break it down, uh, you know, piece by piece. And for this one, it was all about Tyler Rake rescuing the family from a Georgian prison. And we have to make sure that we build a relationship between him and those, those characters as we go, because it's going to take up so much screen time. It's going to take up, you know, 20, 21 minutes plus 21 minutes and seven seconds. Um, so you have to, you can't just be, throwing punches and crashing cars and and you have to be building character and connections along the way and revealing things about the story because 20 minutes of just pure action becomes monotonous it's just you get punch drunk so that was the, the that's the foundation you see it in the script you pick out the pieces that you have to have and say all right now what is the best way to work through that and then you start location scouting or at least this is just my process so once we find locations that feel like they will challenge us and the characters in a way that is meaningful in a way that works for the for the piece i go there usually with my kind of top stunt crew and we start looking at it and just jotting down notes taking photos like all right what, what are ways that we can utilize this space how do we incorporate some of the things that were scripted how do we best some of the things that were scripted when you do something better and bigger and oftentimes when I'm in the space, that's when it starts to speak to me. Like I'm not so much a, um, you know, sit in a, a empty room with a blank page and just come up with a lot of creative things. That's not how my brain works. I need to be in the space. I need to see it and respond to it. Um, and so when we get there on locations and do these scouts, then it starts to really come, come alive. And, you know, I start to feel the energy of the space and it starts to become something. Now, simultaneously, we're, 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 parallel tracking this with the stunt team and they have, they get the script, they look at it and I'll meet with them and say, Hey, these are some things that I really want to try to get in here. And that can be things unrelated to the set, like in some certain choreography, certain gags that we talk about. So they're, they're choreographing all that stuff on, you know, over here in the warehouses and they build their boxes and they do all kinds of cool stuff. And then when we have like the, you know, go between one of the kind of the, you know, the main choreographers and, and coordinators, They'll go with me to the sets and then take that information back to the team and say, okay, this piece now, rather than, you know, being just here on this flat ground, we're going to do this on a stairwell or because there's this great piece on the set, or now we have like 
we saw some elements that the um, production designer put in here. Some of these, you know, flame barrels and whatnot. Let's let's incorporate fire into the mix. Or how do we, you know, incorporate the, you know, the weight set because we're like, oh, there's this is part of the set dressing. So it's a really collaborative process. And so once you have that, you're working on parallel tracks, and then you say, okay, you're working with the AD department. It's all right. We have X number of days to do this. What do? How do we squeeze all this action into this? sandbox because it's not you know we're not unfortunately not in the you know the 80s and 90s and on a hong kong jackie chan movie where you can shoot a fight scene over the course of four months like that's not how hollywood works there's you know time is money and you get a certain amount of time to do it so you have to fit that into the schedule and so you know worked really closely with the ad department and now once you've got your schedule your choreograph and your action you bring in and you're getting a really good sense of it it's starting to work you start to bring in your actors and you're training them in the pieces that they have to do. And, you know, Golshifta, because we wanted to enhance the character of Nick and Adam Bessa as well, because we, Yaz, you know, we, we underutilized him in the first movie or we introduced him and wanted to really capitalize on that skill set because we, you know, the question could be asked, why is Tyler Rake with these people? Like what qualifies them to tell him what to do? And so we were like, well, they should be high level operatives in their own right. And they've just kind of graduated to now calling the shots. And he just, he's still in the field. So how do we show that visually? How do we say, all right, Nick is a total badass. So we try to choreograph a fight for her, like on the train that comes out, I think beautifully. One of my favorite, one of the favorite fight scenes that I've you know been a part of in my career, I think just the way the energy she brought to it and the way the team worked and improvised and because it was it was all choreographed very tightly and she rehearsed it with the stunt team and then when we got there things started to change and you know she she was so well trained as a stunt performer that she could adapt and say all right you know what this elbow is not working let's throw you know this knee or whatever the choreography was and so we, we work with the actors very closely they're training you know week in week out with the stunt team getting in shape and getting the choreography down and then you know, you come to the day and you, it's time to lay it down on film or video. And this sequence was especially challenging because schedule-wise and rehearsal-wise and actor schedules, we had to shoot out of order, which when you're trying to do something that is, you know, seamlessly stitched together and takes place in real time, or supposed to, in 20 minutes of real time, Shooting that out of order is a real mind game. You know, we, we actually started with the train. So the, the final portion, we started with the end and then went to the, you know, the prison. So we went back to the beginning, split that in half because it was two different locations. And we went to the, you know, the forest for the car chase, came back to the prison and then finished some of the train because some of it was on a, you know, a gimbal set and some of it was on a real train. So it was really difficult to for everyone and so many departments had to be on top of their game because everyone's involved stunts lighting camera the set the costume makeup because you have to because you're going from one to another and it may be two months in between this seamless stitch so you have to match there's blood on the face or a rip on the costume you have to match it perfectly from piece to piece and it was i think that the final product is a testament to the the collaborative nature of film, that collaborative art form that everyone stepped up 
they leveled up and did an amazing job of bringing this sequence to life. And it was one of the hardest things I've done. And I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my career, but putting this sequence together was one of the hardest things and uh, most impressive things I've ever seen a film crew pull off. Yeah, I know. It was incredible. And it's interesting hearing you talk about how you were able to kind of change the fight and stuff, you know, as you were doing it, because on the one hand, I was initially thinking, oh, doing a scene like this, that's all supposed to be a one-er, you know, would be really hard because it would have to be so meticulously choreographed and you'd be so locked into things. But then I realized hearing you talk right now that in a way, it seems like you probably have more flexibility because if you're shooting something with conventional coverage, once you get a couple angles, you're stuck with whatever you've shot and everything has to match. And here it seems like you can you can be, even with all the planning that's required, you can be a little bit more fluid. And I felt like as a viewer, that manifested itself in the way the scene played. Like that scene on the train, it doesn't feel... It feels choreographed in that it's effective, but it doesn't feel choreographed as, you know, it feels kind of nice and natural and clumsy in a way. Like she really is just kicking the crap out of this guy the way that she she really would in real life. Yeah, good. I mean, that was that's the intent. I mean, because these things are there's so much action in cinema and so many great directors and stunt teams doing so much great stuff. I mean, you got the fast movies, the Mission Impossibles, the John Wicks, like all the best of the best. And so to even come close to competing with that, I think it becomes then oh, how you capture it and with the experience for the audience, because you're never going to like, we're never going to out kick and punch and shoot John Wick. That's just the, those, those guys are the best. Like you're not going to, you're not going to beat that. So rather than trying to do that better, it's like, let's do sim something similar, but differently. Let's like capture it in a different way. Let's have a, a slightly different energy or a, you know, now extend that even further and and make it gritty and dirty and, and less clean, like you said, like it feel a little more natural. Uh, so it now becomes a perspective shift is is all. And that that's what I, the only thing really that I can bring unique to an action sequence is my perspective. Because most kicks and punches have been done before and better than I'll ever do them. But what is my point of view on that sequence? And how do I bring that sequence to life? That's the only thing that makes a difference. So and having people that understand that and who work well with me in that way is, is invaluable. So the, you know, interesting, you said that the fluidity of that is part of the methodology for me when in working with the actors is trying to get them to a point in their abilities and skill set where they can adjust and adapt like a stunt performer. And the, the only way that that happens, the only way you can make safely <laughs> make a scene feel unrehearsed and natural is by, over rehearsing I mean, you have to just drill it over and over and over again so that it, they know exactly what is supposed to happen and that allows the spontaneity or the moments between the moments to really come to life and, and you know crackle on screen because they're so comfortable they're beyond it's kind of almost what uh, Fincher does sometimes with his you know take 101 like that's the one because now they're like oh my gosh like I've done it so many times that I, it's now I'm not trying anymore I'm just doing and so that with the action, they, they've rehearsed it so much that it becomes a spontaneous dance. And the thing with a Warner to, to kind of comment on what you said about the, you know, being locked in on traditional coverage is there's a, there's two sides to that coin. One is with a Warner, you, you are locked in on whatever you shoot because with traditional coverage, you can be like, ah, you know, I wish we... Let's let's slow that beat down. Let's go to the B camera and elongate it. You know what? Let's I don't want to use that. Let's cut that moment out. Go to the C camera. With the Warner, 
you don't have that luxury of like, oh man, we're like, we're hanging in this too long. You have to make that decision on the set because once you move on, once you, you've got that piece and you stitch it together and you go to the next piece, there's no going back. And now we'll, we'll give ourselves options, meaning it's never just one piece that has to work. We'll, we'll do like, because rarely less than three takes of a, of a stitch because we'll do some that move a little faster, some where we'll do an alt line, somewhere you know we'll do a move that was you know faster or slower or you know the give the stunts a chance to do this one big thing they wanted but maybe it doesn't work we'll do an alt knowing that that's going to be our editing process we're not going to be able to change the angles per se but we can alter the feeling and the timing based on some of the things that we've done and you know the the main reason for breaking these things up into into stitches as we call them these bl seamless blends and not doing it all as one is mostly safety from and from my point of view is rather than having you know say we're on the train and we've got all these things working you've got explosions happening stunt people falling helicopters coming in all that goes perfectly and then god forbid somebody fumbles a line and now you're like Oh my gosh, let's do it all again and now put everyone at, in, you know, at risk again. So what I, we try to do is kind of hedge our bets and do the bigger action pieces and then find a way to stitch before the performance pieces so that we, you know, we can focus on the acting beats here and then let's get out of it, focus on the stunt piece here, or there's some elaborate, you know, wire setup where you have to replace the glass or whatever that is that just during the course of the scene, you, you unable to logistically and safely do a true oneer like a, a, a seamless, um, an unbroken piece with something that tra traverses this much space and this many people and this much going on. It's, it was an impossibility. We, we thought about it. We tried, like, we we're like, how do we do this and not ever cut? And it just became like, well, part of it is actually two, two hours that way. And we can't, you know, the, the set piece we want is, the trains in the mountains and actually this piece, you know, now the, the, this place is a three hour location change. So uh, to make it all, that's the, I think though, the, the beauty of movies and the magic of cinema is you can, you know, be in one location, walk out a door seamlessly in the story and in the experience be continuing on your journey. But in reality, you just, you know, change countries and time jump you just changed like a month went by in between those two shots but the audience will never know and that's you know part of the to me the beauty of cinema yeah definitely um i guess to wrap things up you know you mentioned the john wick movies and that got me thinking that you know there have been a lot of people who have come out of the stunt world and become good directors i mean there's obviously you know chad and david and then in television you've got guys like david barrett and steve boyum and there's many others uh, who, you know who do that kind of stuff um, what do you think are the sort of ways in which the skill set you acquire in the stunt world is good preparation for a career as a director? I think a lot of the names you mentioned, had they not been in the stunt world, probably would have ended up being directors. Just there's a sen certain sensibility um, that lends itself to that. The skill sets that you acquire in working in the stunt world, most of those names started out as performers and high level performers. So there's a, you know, a certain level of dedication and understanding of the human body and, and interacting with other people. And then you've got, you know, often they went to fight coordinating, choreographing and stunt coordinating. So now you have 
communication skills. You're working with the other department heads, communicating, and then as fight choreographers, in the case of like Chad and Dave, is they are working with actors very closely during the rehearsal process. And I did a lot of that as well. So you're communicating now with actors. And so you're understanding how they think, how they operate. And that is something, and that onset on the job experience is actually something gives you a leg up on many directors coming out of film school because they may have the technical acumen to, you know, here's where you put the camera, here's where the lights, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Whereas, you know, as a, having been in the stunt world, when you're communicating with actors on a daily basis and you have 10 years of experience being on set, seeing where they put the cameras, communicating with people, understanding budgets and how long things take and understanding the insides and outs of the filmmaking process from a crew member standpoint, I think is invaluable when it comes to directing, because then, you know, you're responsible for an entire crew and you've been the person who's worked with the director who either was, you know, fantastic at managing people like your Francis Lawrence's and your, you know, that I got to work with or the Russo brothers or like Gavin O'Connor or different people you know, I'm not, not going to name names, but people who don't quite communicate as well or understand the process. And so you go, ha, it's much easier to work with this person who understands what's happening. For example, you, you know, I know because I've had to sit with special effects and go from a safety standpoint as a stunt coordinator and second unit director, I know how long it takes to reset, you know, this, this car flip. And so I'm not as a director, I'm not pulling my hair out going, what's taking so long? Cause I know it's taking so long because certain things have to happen. Same with costume. Like, why is it, why do we have to do this? Well, because you know, they forgot to put a gusset in the jeans and we split the pants and now it's going to take us, it's going to take them a second. And you, you're a little more empathetic because you've been there on the crew side. So that's kind of a long winded way of saying, I think the, those who have been in the stunt world have on the job experience for many, many years working with departments and with actors. And that translates very well to, you know, to being a director and communicating with your crew. Well, I thought it was really a terrific movie, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about it. So uh, thanks so much for doing this, Sam. Hey, I'm glad you watched the movie. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for for taking your time, because I know know you're very busy. Absolutely. 